0: G'day everyone, it's James Davis from the Pax8 Academy down here in APAC, and I've got um, Matt Lee joining me. Thanks for thanks for joining me, Matt. We've um, caught up a bit, again in
1: nine months since we caught up when you were down here. You know, like you said, I was last down there in September. It was awesome, right? And 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 since then, it's been a great year. I've managed to cut a little bit back on my travel. I think I've only taken about 35 flights this year so far. Mm-hmm. Um but it's been it's been a great year, right? And I think uh, looking back on when you and I got to meet and spend some time, we went around, we went to Brisbane and Melbourne and Sydney and Adelaide, um, and and you know we we kind of got to see firsthand the sponge for knowledge that was the Aussies from an MSP perspective, right? And it was really cool because I just walked out of that two week visit to your country feeling like there was hope, in in the sense that it was just great to see that the skill set was there. The hunger and knowledge was there. The humility of knowing that we need to grow and be better was there. And, and it was just, I don't know, it was just such a great pivot moment for me, you know, towards the end of, of that September, you know, Q3 or so uh, of last year. So I uh, can't wait to be back. I don't know when that is, but I really enjoyed it. And it's great to see you guys keep growing and flourishing over there. So thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: i ask you the question. You can get to see a lot of what's going on around the world. What's, what's the positives going on in the industry? There's a lot of negative stuff. It's always hard. There's always these new things we're trying to keep up to. But reflecting back, what, what have you seen that's positive?
1: You're starting to see the tides turn from this understanding of like we're done with the stages of grief from an MSP perspective, right, in the sense that – We've already gone through the denial that we don't necessarily have to deal with security and that we don't have to be responsible for it. We don't have to educate our customers and whatever we do is good enough to this understanding of finally acceptance. We're done bargaining and denial and anger and all these things. And we're at this point of saying, listen, I I kind of think that it is our responsibility, whatever that may be, to carve out what it takes as a bare minimum from a security perspective to start setting baseline standards, to start driving those things forward, but also to say – once I'm through those stages of grief, that's when the sleeves get rolled up, right? That's when the work gets done. That's when you start saying, I need to learn. I need to be better. And so I have to imagine you get to see this, and maybe I'd put it back on you is that, you know, in your world, I have to imagine you're seeing the general MSP populace be willing to start saying, how do I grow? What do I do to deliver effective security? How do I tie-, tie to a framework? How do I become defensible? So are you starting to see that same kind of roll up the sleeves and get started attitude from MSPs in general?
0: Yeah, I am. I'm seeing a lot of people starting to understand what they know that they don't know a lot of things and asking more more questions and looking for that starting point. It's. They're looking – like you said, they're trying to roll up their sleeves and do the right thing, and they, they are looking for that guidance to get started. And I think that's the danger in the yeah. industry at the moment is there's a lot of misinformation – not necessarily misinformation, but just like, I guess, superfluous language coming from vendors Young, and things like that. theoretical
1: information. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah that's, that's a perfect way to sum it up. Yeah. That's perfect.
1: 100%. You know, the other thing I think – back to your point of saying – what what else is going well? I think we're starting to understand that we can't boil the ocean at the SMB and MSP level. And what I mean by that is the United States, we just put out the National Cybersecurity Strategy. I call it the Natty Strategy. I'm hoping it catches on. It seems like it is. People are using it. But the new National Cybersecurity Strategy that says 3.1, one of the pillars was we need to shift the burden of responsibility up the chain from the SMB as a consumer to the people producing the software. And one of the things I mean by that is it's no longer going to be okay to have insecure code. It's no longer to be okay to be a vendor, VAR, or ISV that doesn't do their security due, due diligence and due care. It's no longer going to be okay for this not to be a shared responsibility matrix and understanding that I can't just EULA away my risk. And so I think you're seeing the seas of change from a regulatory body would be the second piece that I'm talking about. And everybody in the Five Eyes communities, the U.S., the Australia, New Zealand, U.K., and, and Canada – all of us are starting in our own way to adopt the similar type of frameworks and practices, right? What you might call in the Essential 8 MFA, I might call uh, 6.3, 6.4, 6.5 on, on the CIS framework. But you're starting to see that same adoption in the middle and regulatory uh, evidence point towards those things being uh, reasonability and being the things that need to exist. So I think that would be the other pieces is that – no longer may it be okay for somebody like Microsoft or Google to make a product that doesn't have MFA turned on by default, that doesn't have base standards in, in, in turned on, and I must turn them off. and In the U.S., we're coining that as insecure by design, right, or just secure by design and secure by default, meaning not only do you have to design it well and protect it well, you also have to make it so that the settings that are choosable for my demise, such as a seatbelt, are more encompassing for me to put the seatbelt on than for me not to put the seatbelt on. Right, and, and if I said some, some dates to you uh, from this perspective, we'll play a little pop quiz time r- real quick. But if I said some dates to you like, for example, 1885, 1950, 1965, and 1966, that's a span of 81 years. 80, ni- 1885 to 1966 is 81 years. What do you think that industry I'm talking about is from 1885
0: to 1966? Oh, I know I it's a doozy. To I didn't prep you. No, this is a this is a hard one. So in
1: 1885, <laughs> the first car was invented by Benz. 1950 was the first seatbelt. That meant you went from 1885 to 1950. That's 65 years without a stupid lap belt to protect you. 1966, Ralph Nader writes, unsafe at any speed in the United States and challenges the auto manufacturing industry to say, hey, maybe it's not a great idea to put spikes on the dash. So when I get in a wreck, it impales me. Right. These basic security principles started playing out. And, And it wasn't until 1966 that the United States had its first National Traffic and Motor Safety Act. And so you get into this point where we always make the tech first that is unsafe, and we always make it safe later as capitalism sees it killing people. Now, it sucks that it has to kill someone first. It sucks that it has to be a first victim. But as we continue on this path, I guess my excitement comes that we're in that same time period from a cybersecurity perspective, and here's why. 1937, 1983, 1989, and then a 2018-2023 slash that's 86 years. Those was first digital computer 1937. It was not the ENIAC. It was another one. 1983, the Internet was born. 89, we had our first ransomware in the form of the AIDS uh, Trojan. And then 2018 was the first time we ever talked about a national cybersecurity strategy. And 2023 <laughs> was the next update, half a decade later, when that's 35 dog years of change later. And so you get into this point where we're right in that same window, I think, James, of – Our world is about to face the regulatory, capitalistic, and otherwise backlash of the things we've built and the way we've built them. And that's a beautiful thing for some. There are a lot of people that came out of that. Ford, Buick, all those people made a lot of money because they were the winners. But there were ten times as many losers out there. We're we're understanding that capitalism always corrects, and I feel like that's where we are from a cyber perspective. And the MSPs, SMBs, big enterprise software providers that get this – are going to absolutely crush it in the next few years as a result of this changing sea and tide. Um, imagine you see this. You're, you're, as a coach, I have to imagine the questions the MSPs are asking are getting more mature, correct?
0: Yeah, there are. And I'd say there's three stages, Matt. There's the ones that are just realizing that they don't know what they don't know and they're just getting started in their journey. There's the ones that have gotten their first package out to market and starting to learn the operational um, challenges and then you've got the ones that have been maybe in market for 12, 18 months do, doing this and then and build, building it out and sure. they're really looking at optimising and learning the mistakes that they made 18 months ago um, and it's it's a very um, differing market and what you're saying about the regulation changes, we're, we're starting to see those pushes down here. People like Asa and Ossett are pushing not only for regulations from government in terms of uh, security standards, but actually for licensing and um, certification for people to deliver cybersecurity practices. So Singapore already does that as yeah. an example. So we we are very much wow. seeing what exactly what you're talking about. The ones that are you are seeing that are starting to get this to your point around Ford being a winner out of the regulation. What are, the, what are the companies that you're staying to see winning in this environment already?
1: Well, I don't like to call out specific companies from a vendor perspective, and I feel it's just unfair. But I would say it's companies that were already born well. They already had API centrism from a vendor perspective. You know, a lot of the stuff on our line card are people that – we were already born in the modern era. They already had the ability for us to instantly provision licenses, for us to instantly do configuration, for us to instantly set things up and go forward. So I think initially it's the ones that were already closer and proximal to being able to change and deliver these things, right? The ones that already had healthy revenues, driving a, a good, clean platform. They're the ones that have leaned in. They're the ones that first got their sock. They're the ones that are now dealing with actually challenging the real status quo of, of that. And they're the ones that are talking about shared responsibility. right? And when you think about this, it's going to be things where I understand – okay, I'll break it down. Have you ever heard of pizza as a service, James?
0: No. Let's Tell me. I'm, I'm interested. I'm curious. I like no pizza. No worries.
1: Pizza as a service is the explanation as an understanding of where responsibility starts to shift based on you outsourcing things. For example, if you're looking at my traditional infrastructure and traditional server, you might compare that to making pizza at home in the sense that I've got to order the server. I've got to order the drives. I've got to order the dough. I've got to order the… The pepperoni. I've got to order the sauce. I've got to order the table. I've got to have a tablecloth. I've got to make sure it's hygienic. I've got to make sure the oven's at 450. I've got to cook it at 16 minutes. I've got to pull it out at 16 minutes. I've got to not burn my hands. I've got to put it on the table. I've got to cut it and slice it. I've got to make sure it tastes good. I've got to then distribute it to my people. I've then got to clean up. And after that, I've got to do. That is a traditional infrastructural model of IT. And you're responsible for it all. At the end of the day, you can come up with all the tech. You can see all the layers. You can do all the things. But as you shift out towards infrastructure as a service, some of that layer goes away. Maybe that's like Papa Murphy's Take and Bake, where I might just grab it and toss it in the oven, but after that it's going to be good to go. And then you have SaaS, and SaaS and platform services and function services as it goes on, and I'm, not being, I'm being summative, ultimately say, the more and more I hand off to you and is out of my control, that is something that only you can do. Now, in the past, software vendors had the ability to say, Oh, sign this end-user license agreement that say even if I screw up, I'm only responsible for whatever you've paid me, and that's the limit of my liability, which doesn't incentivize them to actually do the responsibilities they've taken on from you. But if you think about pizza of a service in a restaurant conversation, they don't want to have old dough that might kill you. They have to have at least modern food. They have to cook it to the appropriate temperature. They have to be responsible to wash their hands. They have to clean the dishes the appropriate way, and that gets inspected by the state, and you start getting more of this. You're starting to see that concept play out when it comes to these software providers mm-hmm. on the opposite end of it where now they've been responsible for it for a long time, but they've been able to explain it away as something that you signed over knowing I wasn't doing it, and even if I wasn't, then I limit my liability. And so there was a – um, you almost had an argument that going cloud, going ISV, going these things could be less secure. And has it played out that way? It kind of has in some ways. But in the other ways, I could never meet the capabilities. I could never meet the economy scale, the tech at scale, the things that if I was trying to do it infrastructure, I wouldn't have Johnny washing his hands four times an hour. It's probably my numbsuckle son running upstairs after going to the bathroom and throwing my pizza in the oven. Right, like that's the reality of it. The processes, the things don't exist. So I, I say all that to say, the vendors that are being most successful are starting to really lean in and understand this shared responsibility. Start to drive and understand what's on my side. What should I be responsible for? What things should I have that enable you? You know, a great example that came up is I'm mapping all of our products to CIS. I'm working with the vendors to say, how does your product or service help me meet a CIS control? How does your product or service help me meet the essential aid? How does your product that kind of stuff? And as they answer that, there's a second lens, though. Because there's the lens of if I use your product under this whole shared responsibility matrix, do you offer SSO so that I can extend my identity plane per 5.6 and 6.7 from my SSO? Do you use end-to-end encryption so that I can make sure I say yes when I say yes about end-to-end encryption is used? You're starting to see those vendors that get – That they're a member of my team, that the product they create is going to be judged based on my requirements, and them being able to ease that capability the most really makes it easy for users to adopt that product and service because they've already got all the little bolts that need to answer the questions as they're maturing and asking those more mature questions. Um, It started as just a simple, do you have a SOC 2 but it's now starting to very much pivot into deeper understandings of the tool, deeper understandings of how the platform is configured and set up, and what they're responsible for and what I'm responsible for. And, and I'm just proud to be part of that, and it's magical seeing it develop around us. And um, I'm not the only one trying to solve it, right? There's, there's so many people involved. But it's uh, that's one of the other happy points. I know I went on for like 20 minutes there, but uh, what else you got, man?
0: Well- well, we have got to celebrate this stuff. It's it's a it's a bit of a brutal world, isn't it? It's very it's a, full of negativity all the time. We we're never feeling like we're keeping up. We've actually come so far, and it's important yeah. to actually reflect and celebrate that point. And that you're talking about that sure. shared responsibility um, matrix and how the industry is reshaping. I'm interested how you see an MSP fits into this space. Um, as it's more, more SaaS based, there's more, more things sort of going on in the client environment. We're ah. so used to saying that we protect everything. Well, talk, talk me through
1: it. Oh, well, you're triggering me on that. So I'll tackle that first. We, that's a broken understanding, right? Cause if you think about the NIST wheel, it says identify, protect. That's two. I can count. I believe and then it says detect respond recover that's 3 so the reason there's 3 fifths not 2 fifths after the boom is cuz the boom's going to happen and if the boom's going to happen we're going to be better at detection therefore we limit the damage we're going to be faster at its detection we're going to be better at the response and more limiting and more capabilities and more segmentation and damage control and principle of least privilege in play and all those things and then furthermore we're going to be better at recovering and getting back to business operations so we've got to break that mentality that it's about the protection The protection's ancillary. The protection's what we have to do. That's table stakes. It's really about after that. And now you see NIST CSF adding in uh, another one: governance, right? and this understanding that governance, which breaks my whole two-fifths, three-fifths argument, it now becomes like four-six-two-six, or maybe arguably three-six-three-six. But the point is, when we get into this conversation, that's the first piece I want to dispel. um, Is that that that's that's it? Now, to your other piece of like, where does an MSP fit in if everything was just SaaS? I've preached this for about four or five years now, since about 2017, so whatever that adds up to. And and it was just this simple concept that if I started a company today, there's almost zero chance I have a server. There's almost zero chance I have anything other than an identity platform, whether they be Microsoft or Google or Okta or name, insert your name here, I don't care. And then extending that identity out into applications. Well, 5.6 and 6.7 scream that. And when you deal with SaaS, you have those kind of shared responsibility. The thing I would say that still comes into play, no matter the, the method, is that the MSP is probably a force multiplier. This was kind of st- said and hinted at by by Congress saying we also need to shift the capabilities up the stack to the service providers. The service providers need to be the ones that that aggregate that. In fact, in the UK, there's been some talks about making it to where if I as an MSP have a certification as an MSP, right, this discussion around Trustmark, or now they're calling it the Cyber Assessment Framework in the U.K. But as if I had that assessment, then my client would be X percentage of the way there to having one themselves if I was doing the work for them. So you kind of start seeing this understanding that the MSP can bring the maturity, the practices, the processes, the things that need to exist, the tools, the the scale, the cost economy of scale, the the maturity and vision, the strategy, those things – Right, and drive that part of the business, and it would be much more of those than it would be traditional plate spinning. Right. And and I used to call it this way. If I'm patching machines and doing help desk tickets and doing those things, a lot of that is the plate spinning stuff that we do that just takes rim, reactive hours per endpoint per month, and some of those things. And and really when we get down to it, that plate spinning is not great. Now I was asked by my VP of operations, Tony Miller, to never use the word plate spinning in our organization when I worked at NMSP. You know why? He said to me simply, Matt. All the plate spinners. Right, I get it. But in the world of the future, I think MSPs will be way more strategic. They'll be way more security focused. They'll be way less tactical, technical, and they'll be way more how do I help you use the same hockey stick, the same hockey pads and shoulders and skates and ice rink and all the same size players to whoop this guy consistently. Right, And so I, I guess I'll get off my, my pulpit here, but I think in that world of future, the MSP will have to pivot and put more value in the understanding of a little bit of the tactical technical security operations, but really providing that same user experience at scale and business capability at scale and teaching someone to use teams to be better at teams and storing data and segmenting data and more secure than someone else and then designing the same and implementing the same and – you know, you take that forward, if I was using only clients like that one I just pictured, they'd be an Intune, they'd be an Azure Active Directory, we would manage their machines with a script. Every machine, every single server, or every single different – there would be no servers in this – but every single different client would have the same exact – Configurations essentially, with the ability to scale those because of normalized variable sets, and even if I need to make a one off, I can see it very visually as to what was changed. It's very the same to every client and its impact from a security and risk perspective. so I think you've you've kind of nipped in on what i what I believe is happening is that as the technology gets simpler, um, you know and I do a little simple thought experiment on stage where I ask people if you have an iPhone or an Android and you fire up Angry Birds and then close it. How many times out of a hundred would you expect it to open and succeed functionally? would Be damn near hundred, right? right? Like it's because yeah. the platform's the same. Yeah, the game's the same. When you get to that, the technology value prop we used to give of "I'll keep the plates spinning so you can keep the pooters are working" isn't valuable. It has to be other things. And so, I think what you're seeing is this cliff that I've been predicting with Dom Kirby for about four or five years that MSPs will either rapidly pivot to some of these concepts or they will rapidly watch their competitors start up and take business or drive business of new people to be better than them. So I, that one's a big one, man. That that pulls my string a little bit. So (laughs) thanks for letting me go on about it.
0: (laughs) As the MSPs need to transition to that more advisory level, what does that really look like in the cybersecurity space? Does that mean they need to become an MSSP? Are he, all the vendors going, You're an an MSP. You need to become an MSP. You're pulling my string today,
1: James David. (laughs) (laughs) Here's why. You know, I've said this before. I I did a presentation in Atlanta, Georgia to a bunch of MSSPs that come from the traditional definition. Now, I want to tackle this a little bit. What does MSSP mean? It is a marketing term we made up to say, hey, I'm a little better than that other bloke at security tools. I'll do that jam. I don't want to touch the computer-y stuff. Thanks. So in the traditional sense, in an enterprise world, that makes a lot of sense right? because they are verticalizing and then saying, here's your role and task. I want you to be my sim as a service. I just want you to alert me, and I'm going to do the contextualization inside my business unit. Right? That's easy to, to, to do. That's a very easy shared responsibility matrix to line out. That's very simple to do. But when you think about the MSP that serves the SMB or even the MSSP that tries to serve the SMB or serve the MSP SMB, you start seeing a world of where the expectation is you, James Davis, my MSP, are responsible for all of it. Aren't you already responsible for security? Weren't you already supposed to secure me? And they have said that. We've said it for years. Oh, we put on dark web monitoring. Now you're good. We just didn't understand the breadth of it. And And I think what you're seeing is... You cannot protect something in a vacuum and you can't do security as a service without understanding context or having a good relationship with someone that does. They can manage the configurations and the baseline because we've thought of security as protect because we've dumbly said security is me making sure them them cyber bullets don't go off and I'll take care of the cyber bullets on this side. Nope, not how it works. Security is about the confidentiality, integrity, and or availability of data. And that means there's a lot more to it. And when you think about security, everything we do in IT is part of security. The way we configure it, the way we do our processes, the way we follow policy, the way we do things that are governance, all of that is part of security. It all is. We want to believe it's just some stupid tool you can buy. That's not how it functions. It's all of the decisions you make. And so when you think of it that way, MSSP and MSP is just a marketing term that's converging in the understanding that I have to protect the data under confidentiality, integrity, or availability, and whatever means is necessary, up to a point of what its value was because you can spend a million protecting a dollar. What I have from a regulatory perspective, what my residual risk is, what my risk tolerance is, all of those things come into play. That's a practitioner. And so I don't think MSPs are like, oh, I'll finally have to be an MSSP. If I could give it out there in like my, to my grandson, it would be – you need to understand this is a complete different paradigm of how we think of technology that is coming. We've walked into it gradually. It's going to keep going gradual, but it could have a snap point, right? And I think we're kind of in that same point where there was some pivotal moment in the auto industry where you either had to get in or get out, and I think we're there today around cybersecurity. So I don't think you can ever touch the wrench and not be responsible for the outcome, uh, and I think that's what we're seeing. You, you know, if, if you look at it, cybercrime is the third largest economy, if summated, in the globe, they are only behind the United States and China, and if then, only but by a little bit. And so you think of this as this is a systemic, endemic problem at the SMB to MSP to every level. We all have to solve it in our own right and what's appropriate from an economics perspective. And so I think if you take my picture that I painted of uh, all Azure identity, all SaaS, SaaS being more responsible for doing the right things with their giant revenues, driving that to where private equity is responsible for some of these things, driving that to where equity and markets responsible for cyber means that we'll start being more and more secure through each of those layers and lenses, right? Um, and, and I feel like we happen to be on one piece of that lens, the SMB serving SMP, SM, uh, MSP. Uh, but that has, in the United States at least, the SMB makes up 42% of gross domestic production, right? And so you you get into this world where it's an inequitous um, cyber protection, if you will, poverty for the SMB and MSP. And it's really around that understanding that it's not just a tool. There is no magic beanstalk that I can toss out and you're going to be, and you're good. You're going to have to get better at this as an MSP. But I'd also put hope on that in the sense that MSPs have already gotten really good at processes for efficiency. That's that's your whole jam. That's what you do in academy, right? You make them efficient and better at their job and more effective and all those things. CSAT's up. It's the same crap. It's just a different application of it. They've already got the muscles. They just need to keep flexing them. That's it. All right. I'll get off my pedestal so I don't fall and break my neck, but uh, I'll hand it back to you, man.
0: <laughs> I. I think it's important to hear, though. So I think I agree with you. Like the the whole terminology um, has been a marketing play, and often when I'm talking to partners, I'm convincing them not to go and invest in a sock and look at partnerships, because what you just said there around the verticalization of a lot of the se- security specialists—that's what they are, they, and that's that next yeah. level. Um, And you might hire a pillar or a
1: black point or somebody like that to be that sock as a service, as an externalization of some verticalized service. But the SMB would never do that. You've got to do that through the lens of an MSP that can take that action and do the things and matriculate the delineations that need to happen. So, yeah. And and, and you use the good term
0: aggregator. Uh, As an MSP, we've been... So, for so long, we've built our our business off the back of being that generalist expert that can just solve any problem. We can't be right, that anymore yeah. as it's getting more complex and more specialized. Yeah. We're the aggregators, we're the advisors. Like you said, we're very good at that process, yeah. we're very good at that direct working with the SMB. All these other companies I'm aren't. Fine. And that's our power. Um, and that's the power yeah. of those pa- partnerships.
1: And general practitioners in doctors make sense too, right? Like even in Australian medicine, you have a general practitioner or an internist of some sort, and then you have somebody else that's going to be that specialist. And why is that? In the beginning with doctors, they had like two things. A bloke could either saw off my leg or they could put leeches near my crotch. That was about it. That was the medical body of knowledge at some point in time. And yet as that body of knowledge kept growing and growing, general practitioners initially were expected to be the jack of all trades. They had to know everything, all the new stuff from Paris and France and all the new stuff. And and as that grew, you saw bodies of knowledge form like the AMA or in Australia, whatever your medical association is that that aggregates those decisions. And so you start seeing this world where… Doctors had to form specialties to be able to cover the breadth of it and the knowledge of it and the applicability and the contextualization and all the understandings. And I think to some extent that's because of the complexity of the human body. But in the same way, there's corollaries in the the way we connect and the functions of old systems and new and waterfall and and agile methods and SAS versus these kind of semi-SAS and all these other things that are – all of that is complex. But as it normalizes – I think much unlike the human body, we have some control over the system that we allow to play where the body kind of dictates that to us. But I think when you start looking at like engineering commissions or people that show you what you know stress loads I can allow on a vertical or horizontal surface or all of that stuff kind of becomes more normalized and much more expected based. So I would think probably in my mind, we're seeing that stage where we have to stop being general practitioners and covering everything. And being general practitioners that understand where those edges are and when to call a radiologist, when to call a nephrologist, when to call in somebody that's cancer in, in that space. And and in the same breath, we're also going to continue to see more things that say you can't just be a doctor. You have to at some point go through certification. You have to at some point be able to prove you've done the apprenticeship. You have to do – and so I think you know we've got a lot of forces coming together that will be very shaping and changing with the MSP. But they're all things that, that – are better for how you ask for your seat price. They're better for being respected. If I go to my doctor and he or she says, hey, Matt, you have high blood pressure and you're fat. If you don't take this pill, you're going to die this way. I'm not going to do a lot of, oh, yeah, teach me about peptide uptake and how it affects the pressure of the underlying vessel. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to say, okay, MFA. Let's do MFA. I'm in. Right? And so when you get into that, it is what we want. We want to be more respected. We want to be practitioners. We want to be able to be the attorney, the doctor, the CPA that comes in and says, hey, this is what we need to do, business. Let's move forward. We want to be that strategist and advisor. So I feel like you can only do that with barriers to entry. I feel like you can only do that with growth Mm -hmm. of an industry over time. So – I am magically excited that we're at kind of a precipice, I think, of that inflection point from us, in my opinion. I've been wrong before, but that's my opinion of where we are. Well, I, I'm in I'm the same opinion,
0: and I, I'm feeling your passion and excitement that you've been banging the drum for so long, and now you start to actually see it happen, and, and, <laughs> and people, are, people yeah. are doing it, right? Um, and you know, I know we could talk about this all day for hours and hours and hours, but... Mindful well, we we're time. born and
1: separated at birth to different continents, so yeah, probably. I think uh, I've been similar. I, I think so. I, uh, so I want to. I
0: want to sort of like final thoughts. Like, if you're, we're halfway sure. through the year, what should what should MSPs be focusing on for like the next six months to run out the year? While so much is going on, what should they be aware of? What should they be really focusing on?
1: <clears throat> I would definitely say find. The things that are changing in our industry that are requiring you to have a standard, such as CompTIA Trustmark, if you haven't seen that. We have 500 MSPs on the waiting list already. Um, But things that are starting to give you that ability to check yourself against a standard that say, am I doing the right things? Am I actually doing it? Which is what we all want to know, right? And so I think if I was focusing right now, it would be frameworks. Uh, Frameworks specifically I'd be looking at would be CIS. I'd be looking at NIST CSF. But I would, I would tie in into those frameworks and say, as an MSP, how do I hire a James Davis? And when I do, how does he get his credentials? What kind of machine does he get? How does that get distributed? How do I document that? And all of those things will be tied back to CIS framework uh, safeguards that come out of that. And they're very easy to, to implement. I like to say CIS is the how to NIST's what. right? NIST gives very broad, thou shalt do this to protect data. Whereas CIS goes, here's the thing you should do. Don't touch stove. It's hot. Here's the thing you should do. And so while those add to that thou shalt not do this process, they give you more context and understanding the ability to walk through it. So lean into that. Keep track of what's going on with Trustmark. It's a two-year process uh, basically to get down the road. And it really does show that this is a journey. It's not a destination. This is something you're going to have to build in and understand. And it will change each of you a little differently. So I would just say don't leave your head in the sand. Make decisions as you see the data come in and lean into tying the things you do to something greater than slash smarter than yourself, right? For me, I like to use frameworks because now I don't have to say, uh, great example. I had a vendor ask me, Matt, is MFA good enough? Why would I use SSO? And I was able to talk for about 12 minutes about why SSO allows me to centralize the authentication in the same exact context, which means now I can make tools that allow me to see that not did James Davis just sign into BestBuy.com, but he also signed into BestBuy.com, his Concur platform, our sensitive data, an external document source, all things that he wouldn't normally do, which is called WEB or User Analytics and Behavioral Analysis, right, and this understanding of I now can see it all in one plane where people are signing in and what they're trying to access. And furthermore, I can see access control. This just came up with Dragos. Dragos is a massive international uh, security platform out there. Good good guys out there, Rob Lee, no relation, right? But they they are. They got popped, and they found it because of good access control. Well, if your access control was at every different site and I had no access to it, I couldn't pull it down compared to being in my actual Azure Active Directory or Okta or whatever – Then I can't – well, that's 6.7. I don't make it up now. I'm not the smartest guy. I can reference some referenceable object like the AMA to say lisinopril, good for high blood pressure, if taken, doesn't die from heart disease at this age. It's it's pretty empirical. And so I think that would be my advice is, is spend time getting better and better at understanding how to tie to external objects like frameworks. And then make it to where you can show improvement even in that, where you're like, yeah, I sucked at that two years ago. I don't know about you, James, but I never want to look back at last year's work and go, boy, I nailed that. No way could I have been better. I better be better next year, right? So, yeah, anyways, I'll like I said, the pulpit challenge. But I, I do believe that it would be go find a framework and try to compare yourself to it. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Get started where you are and just go move forward for the rest of the year. Take a safeguard and see – each one of them, there's 153 of them. Take one a week and go, can I get through 20 of them before the end of the year? Can I get through 26 of them? Well, you'll be 26 of 153 better than you were before, right? So anyways. It's been awesome having you, Matt.
0: We'll have to do this again. And maybe this time, we'll, next time we'll do it when I'm not on 4G and we don't have delays and we'll have a bit more fun. Um, but thanks for, have, thanks for jumping on and giving away your time I- and sharing your insights.
1: And maybe I'll be back over on your side of the, the the fence. I heard they have this new shipping method. It's a crate, and I can just sit in the crate in the cargo hold, and they, they get me out. It's a lot cheaper. So, uh, But, no, I, I was glad to be here, man. It's so great to see you guys keep thriving down there, and all the MSPs are just growing like crazy and being more and more secure every day. So thanks for having me, buddy. Thanks,
0: Matt. See you next time.